Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. And just when we thought tech stocks were on the nose, Zip was up over 4% today, Tyro 2.6%, and Afterpay up 5% plus. In early September, Apple peaked around 134 US dollars and recently slumped to 107 dollars. Since then, it's gone to 112. But is this stock, along with the likes of Afterpay, just having a breather before taking off again? Paul Rickard will look at Apple in particular, along with some other tech stocks locally. Meanwhile, Adam Dawes of Shoreham Partners will evaluate Treasury Wine Estates, AGL, and Sol Pats. Are these buys or sells? Next, we'll catch up with the CEO of McPherson Limited, which has been on a nice five-year rise. But the question is, can this company keep impressing the market? I suspect so. Then Julia Lee will look at her latest acquisitions for a fund, as well as give her views on Brainship Holdings, Nearmap, Origin Energy, and Vocus Group. And then we get two special views from Mark Burris about the future of the banks and the threat of fintech banks. So that's the show. Let's kick off with Julia Lee from Bourbon Invest. Joining us as she does each Monday is Julia Lee from Bourbon Invest. Thanks for coming on the program, Julia. Pleasure, Pete. Okay, let's just go into a lot of these sort of uh, questions we received at the Boom, Doom and Zoom show and we'll get, get some of your um, recent likings or dislikings when it comes to the market. Have you, have you got a view on brain chip? <laughs> it's a good question. Look, this is a stock with a lot of hype around mm. it. And I like stocks with a lot of hype around yep. it. You just have to be uh, wary because I guess when you're in the stock, there is an element of herding involved where um, everybody gets excited about the stock, valuations go through the roof. So generally the way I approach stocks like this is I'm happy to jump on with the herd, but I want to be the first one out of the exits when the, the uh, turn mm. comes. So um, whether that's on fundamental or technical news, I tend to track both. And look, at the moment, technically, you know, it's not looking that great at the moment. Okay. Now, Julia, Nearmap has an SPP and we're asked about what you might think of uh, Nearmap and the SPP. Look, I think NIMMAPS is a, a bit more risk involved now, given that it has promised that it will get to cash flow positive a couple of times now. So there's an element of trust from the market, but it's also got to rebuild its reputation. If you are willing to take a, a bit of risk earlier on, though, I guess uh, NIMMAP would be more of a speculative play. One of the things that I do like is the roofing business that it, it recently acquired. It's a big growth area where it automatically works out the size of roofs, which is is great in terms of growth as well as the solar industry and look it's also implementing AI driven strategies which I think will be a strong area of growth so it's not only about its products but it's all about the data as well so look if I was putting some money into new maps here I'd only start off with a little bit because I do think it has a bit more reputation building to do in the investment community. Okay okay Origin and AGL what do you think of those two companies? Look, I guess in terms of origin and AGL, both of them are dependent on power prices, which have been relatively weak. I mean, you only have to look at the oil price. So look, the big turning point for these type of companies will be when the oil price rallies. AGL in particular, we have seen a downgrade in terms of its shares. And look, a couple of its electricity supply contracts to smelters, one in New South Wales, one in Victoria, 
is under a big question mark. So that brings in a bit of uncertainty in terms of the stock. I guess with companies like this, I'd be asking myself, where is the bottom? Where has earnings growth really bottomed out? And I think for these type of companies, it will be an FY22 story, which means there's no real near-term catalyst unless we start to see the oil price start to run. As with anything, when you do see an industry which is politically sensitive like energy, watch your political moves as well. Because, of course, if you do see a cap on electricity or power prices, that would be a negative for a company like this. But I think the main turnaround for these type of companies is going to come from an increase in power prices. So watching the oil price cap. Okay. Now here's a company that's been a disappointer over the years, Vocus Group. What's your view on them now? Look, I think Vocus has been doing well. Recently, we heard from the company and uh, Vocus Network Services has been a key core driver of growth. So that has been performing strongly. And I guess when it does come to uh, networks, what you want is uh, speed uh, as well as security. And Vocus is doing relatively well in that area as well as its direct connection to Asia. Um, look, focus is looking okay here, but the stock I prefer in the sector is Telstra, given where the share price is trading at the moment, and given that we are likely to see iPhone uh, with 5G capability uh, being announced by Apple in October. So I think that's going to be a key driver of the first suite of products related to 5G, which might give uh, Telstra a bit more of an advantage over some of the other telecom companies out there. <coughs> Okay, this is a company that you often talk about, namely Charter Hall CLW. Um, now, they're doing a share purchase plan at $4.80. Do you think it's worth it? Yeah, so Charter Hall Wales is doing a share purchase plan. It's raising capital. And I guess when a company is raising capital, it's important to figure out why it's raising capital. Does it need working capital? Is it trying to shore up its balance sheet? Is it trying to pay off debt? For Charter Hall Wales, it's none of those things. It's making an acquisition mm. of a portfolio of BP service stations. And that's going to also increase uh, the yield that it gets from its portfolio. So the thing I like about Charter Hall Wales is that it is a long lease portfolio. So the weighted average lease expires is at around about 14 years. So there's a lot of stability in terms of the cash flow. The last result, we actually saw an asset revaluation, which was positive. Um, but with all capital raising, you sort of have to check out where the share price is at the uh, time that uh, the due date is. And I believe the share purchase plan is at $4.80, whereas Chattel Hall Wales is trading at about $5.20. It does go ex-dividend tomorrow, which means that the share price will probably drop back down to around the $5 mark. But still, you know, if the stocks are trading at $5 on market and you can pick them up at $4.80 through the share purchase plan, um, I guess obviously you would. The only time you wouldn't do it is if the share price was trading below that share purchase plan price. Yep. Good point. Now, what about Reese? Yeah, this is an interesting one. This is Australia's largest supplier of uh, plumbing products mm. as well as bathroom products. And during COVID-19, it looks like a lot of us have been renovating our homes. So the renovation market has come to life. So initially, the views on Reese was that during COVID-19 that we would see declining sales. Um, but really what we saw there, it was quite resilient sales coming through. In fact, sales increasing. And it's not just the Australian story that's exciting here. It's the US story. And the US housing market has been much stronger than here in Australia. And in fact, in the second half of the year, we actually 
actually saw like-for-like sales from the U.S. up by 5%. So really with REITs, it depends on whether you think that renovation market is going to continue to grow. My view is that we will continue to see strength over the next 12 to 18 months, driven by some of the government incentives that are out there. Um, some of the brokers are getting cautious around where the share price is, given that it is trading at a premium. My view is that that premium is because of the expected growth coming from the market. So look, I'd be happy to own Reese at these prices. I'd become cautious if they weren't able to deliver on growth. I noticed that BIS Economics uh, predicts that the renovation market is going to grow by 9.5% mm. over the next 12 months. So as long as that growth comes through, I'd be pretty happy holding it yeah, here. Yeah, I think when people renovate, they invariably end up with a Reese product. Uh, finally, MPO, Medibank, what do you think? Yeah, this is unusual one. I mean, looking at Medibank Private, when you're looking at an insurer, the type of things that you usually evaluate are, um, of course, the premiums, um, the claims, as well as uh, the investment part of the portfolio. So I guess having a look at Medibank Private, in terms of the premiums, well, some of that has been on hold because of the COVID-19 uh, environment and I guess looking forward it depends on if the unemployment rate does go up and people are, uh, are struggling financially and maybe cancelling their uh, private health insurance so a lot of that's going to depend on the unemployment rate but from October we will see premiums increasing so that should be a short-term positive for Medibank. In terms of claims it's also an interesting environment you think that because of lockdowns that there would be less claims. In the area of hospital claims though we saw it increase by around about 3% and that was due to medical devices. And my view is that even if claims are weak in the COVID-19 environment, that what you'll probably see in this area is payback because when it comes to medical expenses, you can't put it off forever. So what you probably see in the following year and the year after that is higher claims coming through because of a payback and people not being able to access health services. So I actually see a deteriorating claims environment over the next 18 months. And in investments, look, the investments component has been relatively weak. So look, the only positive that's emerged here for me recently is the price rises that's going to come from the premiums. But I still see as the risks being too high, even with the share price declines, Look, um, I would prefer to see a little bit more of a turnaround, but if you are willing to take a bit more risk, the, the price here is looking relatively low. So you might want to put a little bit of money in and to see if the uh, environment for medical insurers does uh, turn the corner. Okay, now before we go, a lot of people are giving you a thumbs up because of mesoblast. What's your latest? What's your... <laughs> you know I love yeah. mesoblast. No, no. What's your latest take? It's been take? a roller ride to tell you the truth, Pete. And sometimes with these biotech companies, you do need to have a huge amount of faith that they are going to come through. And look, the countdown is on only two more days to that mm. deadline for the Food and Drug Administration to make their decision on whether they are going to approve Ryan Seal for uh, acute graft versus host in children. Um, given the oncology committee voted nine to one in favor, I do think that it is going to get the green light. There might have to be some extra studies which are done on the back of uh, the green light being taken, but I think it will be a momentous occasion for me. So Blast, obviously I say that given that we hold it in the portfolio. Yeah, and on what day will we actually get the news? So it's Wednesday US time, so it could be Thursday for the Aussie share market, which means that we'll roll over into a new month.
so okay. in October. So on that day, you're going to have a lot more fans or a few people saying, how could she <laughs> yes. have got that so wrong? <laughs> well, it's my birthday month, so hopefully it will be an early birthday present. Great stuff. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thanks, Pete. That's Julia Lee of Burn Invest. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. Well, joining us now is Adam Dawes from Shore & Partners. Adam, how are you? Yeah, really well, thanks, Peter. Yourself? Very good. Now, the market was up but ended in negative territory. Why? It's a tough one, isn't it? It's, uh, it, it is very, yeah. I think we came in with a little bit of optimism uh, from the weekend, mm. uh, thinking that we were going to do quite well, and the banks didn't really follow through today. So, you know, we really need those banks to do the heavy lifting, and uh, it didn't come through. So, yeah, it's been a little bit tough uh, for our market today. Okay. But the tech stocks have done okay. Tech stocks did well. Afterpay did what was up. Uh, I, think I, did, I think I saw WiseTech off a little bit, but, mm. yeah, Look, the tech stock's starting to rebound back, and one of my favourites, Zip, is uh, reporting a quarterly number this week. So I think that it's certainly going to be looking forward to some good numbers there. And we're starting to see some good little IPOs starting to come out in that fintech space as well. So Australia's market is starting to hot up in that space. Okay. Let's go to something you want to talk about, Sol Pats. Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, what a great result it was uh, the other day, mm. last week, with Sol Pats able one to increase the dividend and I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen going forward from uh, you know Sol's is their commitment to lifting those dividends and obviously they're able to do that via the TPG Vodafone merger which they own I think around 26% of, of that business and they're able to do that via a nice special dividend but I really like Sol Pats it's, a, it's one of those ones that is a just a consistent earner it's a good dividend paying stock compared to something like the banks or something like that and really uh, at the end of the day, they're a good little investment house to be going for. So uh, I like the stock around this $22, $23 mark. It'll probably do some work, pay the dividend, and then uh, you know potentially start raising from there. Mm. Interesting thing is some people question the fact that the Milner family has such a strong presence that there's a feeling that they're not quite sure what's going on. What's your view on the, the transparency of Solpats? Look, it's an investment business or an investment bank, you know, and, and it is a listed uh, a listed company. Mm. So there has to be some kind of transparency there. And we do know a lot of their assets that they do hold. But you're right, albeit they're probably the top 10. We don't really know what's really underneath the cover mm. on that. But the family has done very, very well over the years. They have done very well for shareholders and have basically held true mm. to what the business is about. And they are, you know, they're not private equity, but you know, and they're not a Wes Farmers because you know Wes Farmers ten billion dollars sitting in the war chest ready to go. Mm. But I think Sol's are very, very, uh, very good at what they do. Yep, yeah, I think you're right. So let's have a look at Treasury Wine Estates at the current price. I think there's value there. Tell me if I'm wrong, Peter, but I think there's value there. Mm. Um, you know, all we need to do is get over this China issue. Mm. 
And if that Chinese issue does go away, which potentially in the next coming couple of weeks slash month, uh, the Chinese government is going to make a determination on the tariffs that are going to be paid or, or, or that Australian wine is potentially going to have to pay when they start moving uh, wine into China. Mm. But once that's over and done with, you know, um, markets don't like uncertainty and that will be the certainty that it's needed. So I think there's value there. That Penfolds brand is absolutely one top notch mm. and uh, I really like it for that potential divestment of mm. uh, Penfolds uh, from TWE. So look, I think it's a buy down here. There's, mm. it, it, you need to obviously potentially have some more volatility around this uh, decision making from China. But once that goes through, I think it says value and it's certainly a good business. Now, you've also suggested that maybe it's a takeover target for Wes Farmers? Look, you know... It's an interesting one. We're, it's a good question. <laughs> Anything to grab a headline, huh? <laughs> uh, so, uh, look, look, potentially we've seen, we've seen uh, you know, we've seen worse, I guess, coals from Wes Farmers mm. many, many years ago. But uh, look, you know, it, it's one of those things that... It, I, I, I'm, I don't know why Wes Farmers has taken so long to buy some of these businesses when March 23, we had some amazing bargains and discounts. Mm. You know that Wes Farmers is always on the hunt for acquisition. So I was just, you know, maybe potentially it is uh, one of those stocks that hasn't risen with the rest of the market. Mm. And potentially that might be something that Wes Farmers might look at. Mm. So this is an Adam Dawes speculator. You haven't heard any whispers. No, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you anyway if I did. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, it, this is just me trying to uh, make some sense hmm. out of this business. Okay, AGL, a lot of people ask us about this. It's at a 52-week low. Do you think it's a buy? No, is, is probably my answer. I still think that there's, that there's, uh, there's a lot to go on uh, AGL. One of the things that AGL and Origin uh, talk about is, is leakage. And the leakage is basically more and more people being energy con conscious, but then also putting solar panels on their roofs, mm. you know, and that, that is just a, a trend that is going to continue and continue and continue. And we're starting to see that with AGL. We're starting to see that obviously with Origin as well. Um, it, it has been a, a really tough ride for these guys because one, energy consumption has lowered because we're not out and about doing things. But also it's a political football and they don't want to let energy prices raise rising. So that's another issue. Mm. But it's also then that leakage. And I think that leakage is that they've talked about that regularly. It's around, could be around 5 to 10% of that leakage of disappearing of revenue on an annual basis because of people just being a little bit more conscious, putting solar panels on their roofs, basically uh, just trying to use a lot less energy. So no, I think AGL still got a long way to go to the downside. Mm. And I, I've been I've been selling over the last sort of two weeks or so, trying to get uh, get clients out, and even at a loss, happy to buy some banks on the back of you know what's happened mm. last week, potentially as a way to sort of recoup some of those losses. Yeah, and one last one. This is my curveball, but it's not a hard one. A2 Milk, um, you know, um, bit of a downgrade today. Um, what's your view? This is a great company, but it's a bit of a, a victim of the coronavirus, or what? Well, certainly a victim, yes. I was just astounded how um, much uh, the Chinese visitor to Australia actually meant to A2 Milk, mm. the Daigao, or, or those those shoppers. Yeah. I, was, I was always under the impression that was a smaller part of their business. Yep. But it, it looks like it has grown significantly over time, whereas, you know, you buy A2 Milk here in, in the shops and things like that. 
but it really must have been that Chinese money that's flooded in that hasn't been able to come back into Australia. And that's probably where there's this problem that's happened. And obviously, A2 Milk, with the downgrade today, yeah. stopped down 10%. I think it's a fantastic business. I think there's opportunity there. I'm going to wait till the dust settles on this one. Yeah. Give it a couple of days. It'll be in the 6 o'clock news tonight. You might see some further selling tomorrow. But let the dust settle. And then I'm, I'm a buyer of this stock. I think it's a fantastic business. Good balance sheet. Mm. And the bubble is going to open up sooner than later. So yeah, it, it was just a concern to me that how much those Chinese visitors actually meant to the bottom line mm. uh, of, uh, of A2 milk. And so it's a bit of a disappointment on the downgrade. Yeah. And, and we often see these things coming in threes, don't we, Adam? Like the, the uh, report wasn't great. They, they talk, talked about you know, some corporate issues in terms of purchasing. We didn't think the, the Daiju or Ditiaga or whatever it is, for yeah. example, all that important that is. There may well be one other negative story, but you're right. I'm waiting for the right opportunity to get into A2 Milk. I think it's a good company. Yeah, great. I mean, good management, good balance sheet and a fantastic brand. So hmm. putting all of those together, it's just these blips. And if you look at a chart of sort of COVID March 23, it actually didn't hit any lows. It, it stayed at 20 bucks, $19. Yeah. So it's having its fall now. Hmm. So, you know, it's catching up with the rest of the market. So I like it. I, I'm a buyer. I'm just going to wait a little bit longer, I think. Okay. Adam Dawes from Sheeran Partners. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Take care. Now, Mark, your greatest competitors have always been the banks. Uh, the banks have been asked to do a lot to rescue the economy. Are the banks a bad investment now? Uh, well, it depends what um, time timeline you take. Yep. Um, I think if you're looking at a five or ten year horizon, I think banks are Australian banks, particularly the big four. I think they're a great investment because we're not going to get anybody else. I mean, I, I put Macquarie aside there. I mean, Macquarie is sort of the fifth largest. Mm. It's a bit more complex, so I can't really make a decision on that because Macquarie's got a lot of other things going on as well as the bank. But if you just look at the banks as the big four banks, um, over the next five years, they're going to own this country. I mean, that mean they're either going to own your property mm. if you can't uh, make the repayments, or alternatively, you know, if you want to get into the property market, you've still, still got to borrow through them or someone like us, but you've still got to borrow through the banks. They do control 97, uh, 93% of the total market. So it's a pretty juicy bit of um, portfolio that they own and control. Um, I don't expect we're not heading into a depression. So I, I take, I think that the downside liabilities of the banks is a lot lower than the upside possibilities of the banks. So I would invest in banks, yes. Um, I don't know which one in particular. I mean, Westpac's just taken a big hit today. Depends what its share price has done. But I mean, for me, Westpac's a great bank. And I think Westpac, right, they've done something wrong there or and with Austrac, et cetera. But Westpac is a very good bank, has a great institutional bank inside the bank as well. Um, they own St George. They own a lot of other brands. To me, that's a great bank. And it's, if you know if its share price, if its price has gone down today, I mean, it's probably the sort of bank I'd be looking at. I mean, I, I really believe in our um, big four banks, mm. even though I do compete against them. I do think they have a stranglehold on the economy. Yeah, Paul Rickard agrees that uh, Westpac is probably a buy at these levels. Now, mate, um, on the subject of banks and the threats, you would understand the threat of the fintech bank more more than most. Are they, are they going to eat the bank's lunch? 
Well, if 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 Google came out with a, a bank, if Google went and bought one of these neo banks, one of these fintechs, I'd say that would be a problem. I think the biggest issue with the fintechs is that um, they don't largely they don't use brokers, so they don't have distribution. They can't afford to set up branches because they're and they're a fintech anyway. But the the presumption there is that people borrowers will come to them to borrow money, for example, to, to borrow money in the event, like for a home loan. Mm. Um, they're not going to make their money out of deposits because they got off, because they're a small, they're small and they're new, they got off a higher interest rates. So all of a sudden their margin gets squeezed if they try and match it with an asset on the other side, that is a mortgage on the other side. So their margin is going to get squeezed because they've got to lend cheap. So, and they've got to take a deposit at a high rate. So their margin gets squeezed. Um, they would argue, well, we can operate on a smaller um, cost of operations because we're a fintech, which is probably correct. Um, but at the same time, I don't know whether they're going to get enough volume to be able to, to, to make a dent in the marketplace. Mm. So I hope they do. I mean, I, I really do think um, maybe between five and 10 years from now, the fintechs will take a bigger position. Um, I think right now, though, um, you know, by the way, let's... Let's not kid ourselves. CBA has got some of the best technology of any of the banks. Yep. I mean, you can, you can deal with CBA. You can deal with NAB, NAB on, through UBank if you want to. I mean, there's NAB owns its own fintech. It's been around for a long time mm. too. I mean, and if you look at NAB, and it's beautifully funded. I mean, you know, UBank's funded by NAB. So you've got to ask yourself the question, how come UBank hasn't done brilliantly? It's not as if they haven't got the advertising power. They haven't got the the operations power, they haven't got the technology, they, it's not as if any of those things, they've got massive balance sheets. They don't have to go and raise money all the time to lend it. They've got the whole NAB deposit base to lend if that's where everybody wants to go, but it's not happening that way. So my gut feeling right now is that um, there, there will remain, a, uh, the flight will be to quality, that is the, the you know, the, the well-known banks. Um, people will still want to borrow from them. Um, they still want to use a broker because it's, uh, you know, it's just complex. I mean, you go online to borrow money from a from anybody. It's complicated. Mm. It's not easy. It, it's a it's a hard thing to do. And you don't. And then you're online with one lender, so you don't know whether that one lender's got the best deal in town. So brokers still will prevail, I think, which is why brokers are doing 57 to 60 percent of all mortgages today. Um, and the fintechs can't, of course, they're a fintech can't afford to use a broker. So mm. because you've got to pay a broker, and fintech's pricing is sharp. It's usually less than the rates the banks are offering. The reason they do that is because they carve the commission out that the banks pay the broker. That's that's gone. It's been eliminated. But that assume so I think there's only a small, relatively speaking, a small percentage of Australians in this who are savvy enough, who have the time, the understanding, and the credit credentials to borrow online from a neobank um, fintech at the moment. That's my, my view. Yeah. All right, mate. Great. Thanks for joining us. Mark Burris, you're one of the best. See you, Pete. All the best, mate. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, three years, five years, 10 years, and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange-traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, 
WQG. So joining me now is the CEO of McPherson, a company that's done well in recent times. Uh, let's just see what's happening with the company right now. Thanks for joining us, Laurie. Thank you, Peter. So Laurie, why don't you talk us through um, about the company. For people who've never come across you guys before, it was a, a company that was once in the mining space, but you're kind of in the, the food space now. Explain to my viewers what the company does. Okay, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. So it's 160 years old, one of the first public listed companies. It started off, uh, an old Scotsman, hmm. uh, true to my heart, uh, came out, set the company up, and was very much in steel hardware, all the rivets in the Harbour Bridge, the Transcon railways, you know, systems we put in place. But then it went through very many different industries, categories, and now we're really focused in health wellness and beauty. The company has 450 employees. Um, our head office is in Sydney. We're public listed. Um, we have a mini-me office in New Zealand, Singapore, and we have a procurement office in Hong Kong. We have about 35 full-time employees in China, mainland China. Um, I joined the company about three and a half years ago. Great team of people. We had a market cap about 90 eight million dollars then we've now got a market cap i think peter we closed yesterday the market about 348 350 something like that the business is going well we've got bugger all debt which is good we've sold a lot of that other stuff to focus on health wellness and beauty hmm. because it's a good, good margin it's progressive space uh, and it's growing okay so you've done well um in over the period of the coronavirus. Explain to my audience why. I think it's really interesting. Um, we've, we, so our portfolios and things such as hair care, um, beauty, wellness, um, household goods such as Maltics, which was a business, Peter, we were thinking about selling, mm. um, which is like cling, you know, alfoil and cling film and you know, baking paper and all the rest of it. And we did our own green version of that about two years ago. And all of a sudden we just went, wow. And so for this fading star, it's become quite a shining star. So that's been good for us because probably yourself, Peter, I don't know how often, how often you're going into the office, but most people are having, that used to have breakfast and lunch around their office facility, whether yep. it be, you know, in the city or North Sydney or Parramatta, CBD or whatnot. They're actually doing that at home. They're actually eating out less in the evenings. So all of our home care products have just gone bang. So that's been great. Um, what's happened to our beauty business has been interesting because more people are online and they're still wanting to look great. You know, mm. I think I told you the last time we spoke, I'm 106, but my anti-aging products are really working on me. Yeah. So um, at, at, at 51 years of age, you know, we're finding that more people are using these anti-aging products um, and they're getting delivered by, um, by e-commerce and delivered to your front door on a non-contact basis. Okay, so tell us about reporting season. What were the, the highlights of the season? I think what's been really interesting is people have reverted back to... So I, I, I live in a little sleepy suburb of Mossman. I, I used to go to Woolies and Coles and Aldi all the time. I know our family, we go more to IGA and, and 
um, and Metcash just because it's so local, just because it's just like, and the people in there, they all know my name. And, and, and as much as we, we love all those, those, those main play grocery players, we're finding that people just by behavior are shopping more local. Um, that's, and, and that's really embedded. That's one behavioral change. Two, people are really into immunity and staying close to home and being a bit safer. And I think this will dissipate as this pandemic, you know, slides hopefully to a better place. Um, but I think people's view on local immunity, health, safety, and home is here to stay, to stay and will probably still, still gather some momentum over the next three to four years. I think it will dissipate once people feel that safety again, but it's definitely a trend that we're we're enjoying, right? Mm. So when I look at the the, the, the chart uh, of your share price, and I know as a CEO you're not responsible for the share price, but sometimes CEOs can explain. Uh, it was going up fantastically well. I think I interviewed you uh, around August, and I think you, you gained about 10 or 12%, and then you peaked and you came off the boil. Was there any news that the market didn't like to explain why the, mark, uh, the share price came up, or was it just profit taking? Oh, I think I think that's a really good question. So we closed yesterday at three or six. We we, you know, a year or so ago, we were around a dollar twenty and whatnot. You know, so we've we've had a pretty good run. So mm. even though we we might have came off the boil from a peak of about three fourteen, three fifteen, I think. We're now at 306. We came down to about 280 odd over the last couple of months and then started to build. I think there was some really, really faithful investors who just thought, you know what? I'll, I'll just put a bit in the bank. We know mm. that some of them were mandated. And for those who haven't lived in the GFC like I have in Europe, um, when things go bad, people don't realize it's not only about the companies, the investors that invest in you. It's a lot about their principal companies above them that when they start to um, default, it creates this, this situation that, that Australians are not really used to. Um, and I think we just need to be careful that we need to keep an eye on who are the principal companies of your investment uh, players on your register to make sure that they're all healthy. Because if they start to default, you do get this this, this bizarre, you know, I, I worked for the Coca-Cola company for 23 and a half years. If you give a Coke, I was in the Coke company side, if you give a bottling license to a company, it's like a license to print money. But if they have investors or principals elsewhere that are defaulting, you'll find even Coke company bottlers find it hard mm. to, to, to kind of pay the bills. So, so I think we've got to kind of broaden our spectrum to what could happening and what is happening with regards to not just who's investing, but who are they backed by, and who are the principals a little bit up the chain as well, just to yeah. do a little bit of research there is gonna be really important. Yeah, so some people might have thought, well, McPherson's done brilliantly during the coronavirus period, maybe ignoring the fact that you're on an uptrend anyway beforehand, and then they might, they might be thinking, oh, with reopening coming, well, then maybe they won't be as popular. But your argument is that you think the, the new things learnt during the coronavirus period will, will not be given up too easily. 
And I would have thought also Victoria. I've actually, hmm? I've actually done. Um, I've actually split my first half and second half. I, I, I actually think we will, we will, we will struggle to cycle our first half. Sorry, we'll struggle to strike cycle our second half. Hmm. Um, so, for example, July to December, um, we did pretty. January to June, we did incredibly well. Hmm. Um, so to your point, I've kind of put in a first half relatively solid and robust with a weaker second half saying, Peter, I don't think I should responsibly think I can cycle hmm. the coronavirus upside we had. Hmm. So, so things like what we call uh, and what the industry and the retailers called March madness, when people started buying up, I've, I've halved that, if not even less. Yeah. So, so I've not put in a big second half for us because I think it's irresponsible to our shareholders and to the company. And, and I actually don't believe it. Um, mm. But we are trending very, very well. Mm. Acquisitions have been important to your growth yeah. story. Do you have many on the horizon? Well, you know, I've got to be careful for selective disclosure, but mm. as I told you, I've got big green lips from kissing all those frogs and, and I'm, I'm kissing some nice frogs today, I must say. Mm. I'm, 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 I'm very interested in where we're going. And in particular, I, I think we need to be humble because we're in a strong position. And, and as I said to you before, I think people are going to start hurting and are hurting. So we need to be careful not to be too opportunistic, but commercially, I still need to be opportunistic, Peter. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're probably getting more knocks on the door than before. And I think it's more of a buyer's market than before and probably better multiples than before. And so it's looking it's looking really interesting. What about JobKeeper? Um, were you a beneficiary of JobKeeper and going forward, will you not be a beneficiary of JobKeeper? Yeah, we, we're employing more people. We're growing. Uh, we have no need for JobKeeper. Mm. Um, we pay for full taxes in Australia, um, you know, uh, at full rates across the board, 450 people. Um, we have no JobKeeper support mm. at all. We get no government support. We've not asked for it. We don't need it. We are we're going to grow our way uh, forward. Okay. So what's the what's the really big things out there you're looking forward to in this? Because in, in case people aren't sort of recognising this, when you talk about the second half, you're talking about the second half of the financial year. What are you looking forward to in that second half? Yeah, I think hopefully getting a couple of these deals under our belt, Peter. You know, um, and and hopefully being able to demonstrate some of the synergies. You know, I think. We've spoken to the street till we're blue in the face uh, about our balance sheet being so healthy, our cash conversion, our capacity, not only for debt and equity and capital raising and people who are knocking on the door constantly with us, but, but also our capacity, that we're literally at 50% capacity that literally requires no more people and no more real estate. You know, So I've got a, a warehouse, 13,000 Bay Warehouse, that's at 54% capacity. Um, all those 5,300 boxes that leave there every day to every pharmacy and every grocery and every postcode in Australia, 
for me to do an acquisition and drop something into that doesn't require any more um, investment. So mm. it's incredibly profitable. So so that's what I want to see in the second half is, 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 is and by the way, I probably think the second half is now looking better since we've seen that the first three months are so strong that we've got inherent momentum. But I, I do say we're going to be cycling the covert piece that I think we're just being probably a bit conservative about, which I think is probably a good thing to do. Yeah. Well, Laura, thanks for joining us in the program. We wish you luck. And uh, for the sake of my viewers who liked your story a few months ago, keep on keeping uh, heading in the right direction, please. Thank you again. Well, September and October can be pretty bad for the stock market and tech stocks have been under pressure after having a rip-roaring year so far. Paul Rico wants to look at a couple of tech stocks he's interested in and one of them is an American one, namely Apple. Paul? Yeah, mate, Peter, I still think uh, you've got to look at the technology sector. It is the, the best performing sector on the ASX this year, up mm. about 22%. That was up to yesterday. Mm best performing sector in the US and there are good reasons for why tech has done so well. It's not just, uh, it's not just the fact that everyone's suddenly fallen in love with tech, but it is, you know, we know there have been some whole lot of changes in the way that consumers behave mm. as a result of the uh, COVID-19 crisis. And it's really accelerated a lot of change that was already in place. So mm. some of the trends around things like cloud computing, work from home, you know, the things about uh, Zoom, online shopping, the internet, yeah. those trends were in place, Peter, but they've just been really given this huge impetus by what's happened. And, yeah. uh, and so the revenue in that sector is not going to run away simply because uh, we think COVID-19 is over. Yeah, and Apple is a very well-placed company. I think it peaked around $134. Do you think there's a, a bounce back waiting to happen? Look, it has uh, it has already bounced back. It got down to the lower hundreds. It's mm. now back about $112. Mm. I think, look, I'm not sure I'd rush out and buy it today, but it's what I'd be marking uh, if you do think about September, October. And, you know, I think there's a lot of good commentary about the market in the US has probably got a little bit overdone. Mm. Uh, got as, as all markets do, we know that they go up too quickly and they come off too quickly and you've got to wait for sometimes the pullbacks mm. in these markets. But I think Apple around $110 it's not excessively priced. It's trading on a P of about 35 to 1 for this year. And, you know, it's not big under tech standards, it's is it? It's not big under tech standards. It's not big by the likes of, you know, you think about companies like Afterpay and some of the other names in Australia that you get really to report any earnings. Mm. It's not huge. It's an incredibly strong company financially. You know, it's sitting on a pile of cash, yeah. stock buyback in place. You know, um, I think at the right price, it's a buy. So go with the market. Uh, I don't think people are going to desert Apple or, or Microsoft in the short term. Yeah, you like both those companies. Let's go to the local stuff now. What are the tech stocks you like locally? Look, the two I like in Australia are zero. I've liked zero for some time. It's yep. now back almost $100, back towards its high. Mm. So maybe it's just a... You know, a bit, maybe, too, pricey a bit too pricey. The analysts think it's worth about $80, which is probably closer to the mark. But what I really like about Zero, Peter, is its underlying business of, you know, of accounting software. It's such a sticky thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You get onto that, you talk to the users, they really like it. Mm. That's probably grown about as far as it can in Australasia. And so it's doing things like uh, really working on its own ecosystem. And mm. that, that's a bit more challenging. The growth for a uh, for company like um, Zero has really got to come out of North America and the and uh, European markets. Mm. Now they say 
I was surprised to read this, Peter, that, that clouds, most people in those markets are still using the old, you know, the disk, the disk and, the, and the software on, on mm -hmm. the floppy or whatever it is, or, or, or buying the actual so box. Big, a big so cloud computing is not really what it, in, in that sort of market mm. is not like it is in Australia. So there's still a huge potential for a company like uh, Zero Offshore. Mm. Obviously, it's harder to compete in the US simply because mm. of the scale. Uh, the other one I like is uh, NextDC, Peter, which mm. is, uh, look at the share price graph from NextDC, it's been going up all year. Mm. It's just data centers in Australia. Now, there's nothing sexy about that. It mm. just does it really well. Maybe it's getting a bit on the pricey side. Apple analysts think it's about fair value, but I think it's one to mark down. If there yeah. is a big sell-off and you're looking for a tech company, they're the two I'd be looking to buy. Okay, and this is your, your point, that there are good companies. If the market does sell off ac across October, these are the ones to have, have a good look at. Paul, before we wrap up, the banks. The banks got some surprisingly good news about responsible lending basically going to be changed, that law is going mm -hmm. to be changed. Is this going to be a good thing for the share price? Look, ultimately it is going to be a good thing. Um, two caveats. One has got to get through the Senate, and it's yeah. not clear how Labor and the Greens will vote on this. I don't think the legislation is going to come in place till March next year. So yeah. this is not going to have any impact on current year profits. Let's be very clear about that. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is a good thing because it's been so hard to lend money, Peter. You know what it's like as a borrower, even mm. trying to get a bank to look at stuff and yeah. the sort of questions they're asking about, you know, why are you spending this much money on Netflix or whatever it is? Mm. And, yeah, you know, it is really tough. You talk to someone going through a mortgage process. Um, yep. So we've had had a bit of a credit squeeze. It hasn't been widely recognised. It's sort mm. of, you know. Mm. So I think it's a it's a positive thing about, particularly when banks have been challenged. The problem for banks has been how do they grow their revenue, right? Mm. And we've, no one's come up with an answer because credit growth has been anemic. So this is a big positive in the sense that, you know, in a year or two years' time, we might actually be in a mm. position of some credit growth. Yeah. Not going to impact this year profit. So a big thing for banks. Look, I think they're, um, they're probably about as cheap as they're going to get too much. I think Friday's reaction was a little bit overdone. We've seen a bit of a pullback today. Uh, but I think there is value there, at a book value. I'm not saying you're rushing to buy them just yet, but uh, again, they're going to go with the market. Market going to be down. The banks will go as hard as anything else. And um, I think the, the big three, or the, put Commonwealth Bank to one side, you know, the, the Westpac, ANZ and NAP are looking okay. Mm. Westpac getting rid of it's fine with Austrac is a positive. Don't worry about the size of 1.3. That's all just a one-off. Analysts will look past that. That's actually a positive to actually get that over the head. Mm. So I think that's probably, st I'd still be backing Westpac. I've been on Westpac now for six months and mm. largely been wrong, Peter, because mm. it hasn't performed. I've probably been ahead of people mm. and got it wrong, as you can in this market. Uh, but I think we're just starting to see a bit more support coming to that. Yeah. The interesting thing about uh, responsible lending, I love the quote from a very responsible kind of guy in uh, Dr. Phil Lowe, the Reserve Bank. He said, under responsible lending, if a borrower gets into trouble, it's always the bank's fault. Yeah. And he just thought that was just a little bit unfair. And I think he's right. Paul, thanks for joining us. Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. If you want to read about Paul's views on those tech stocks, take out a free trial of the Switzer Report, 21-day free trial.